Hi, everyone, and welcome to this month's edition of IBC Topics. Today, our guests are Jen and Jeff Rowe. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. So, as we always do, we just want to start off with your testimonies. So, if you guys could just share with us how you came to faith, uh, people that have been instrumental in your walk. And for Jeff, if you can talk to us about how you met Jen. And for Jen, if you can uh, just share with us how you ended up at IBC. Okay, so I would go to church when I was a kid. My mom would take my sister and me um, pretty much, pretty consistently, um, just the three of us, and we would go and meet other family friends, and uh, it would be a big social thing. Uh, I don't think my mom had any spiritual convictions. It was more of a cultural thing to do, Mm. you know, the thing that you were supposed to do if you wanted good fortune and... He wanted to be on God's good side and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, that was all just fun and games. You know, as a kid, I didn't take it seriously at all. Um, and for whatever reason, she stopped taking us uh, at the end of elementary school-ish. I don't remember quite, but, yeah, I remember the first uh, year of high school was when I started going back, so I really didn't go to church for a few years in between then. And I really went back on my own. My mom and sister weren't in the picture anymore. I personally, I didn't really have any spiritual convictions myself, but mm. a few of my high school friends were going to the same church, Youngnak in LA. Oh, Youngnak. It's the big Korean. Yeah, it's the big Korean church. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a huge congregation, a lot of people to, you know, socialize with and make a lot of friends and things like that. So, you know, that was pretty much my motivation. Um, I think. I try to make it spiritual. You know, I try to be earnest, you know, on some level, but definitely it was not a, um, really a genuine uh, seeking on my part. I don't mm-hmm. think anyway, looking back. And so that happens. And when I graduated, I was still kind of going to Young Neck here and there um, during college. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was mainly more... Um, committed to my college ministry in Riverside, uh, KCM, Korean American Campus oh, yeah, Mission. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so I have a, a cousin who was kind of attending and a half-cousin who was, um, I mean, I think she's a believer. She, she was actually more, um, more involved and kind of invited us out. And so that's kind of how I got started there. And, um, and again, I try to make it kind of spiritual and, um, and all that. But deep down, I kind of knew that I wasn't saved still, Mm. you know. So um, I I was at Riverside for five years and the first four and a half, I pretty much lived life as though I were a believer without really knowing what that meant. Mm. And I guess a better way to put that is um, I was basically an outward Christian who, you know, would want to say the right things and be doing the right things and look, mm. you know, like a like a godly Christian young adult who, you know, had a head on his shoulders and all that stuff. Um, things didn't really start breaking down for me until um, the middle of my fifth year at Riverside. Uh, I was dating this girl and um, it didn't last long. It was maybe six months 
or so. And what ended up happening was she got kind of fed up by my, my self-righteousness, basically. I, you know, put so much, you know, expectations and um, pressure on her to, to be doing the right thing, whatever I felt that was. Um, and, you know, eventually she was like, this is, this is not, I can't do this. And so, um, the reason that was kind of hard for me was that, um, me about to get out of college, about to, you know, go pursue a career, um, to get married and settle down and, you know, have a stable life and, you know, have like church and all that stuff on the side. It was pretty much an American dream. And I, had all these plans and, you know, all that kind of started to crumble. Like, oh, I'm not in control. And um, my future, you know, like, it was very short-sighted, you know, like, I probably could have moved on and, you know, continued that same, you know, wayward path mm. with some other girl or whatever, you know. But at the time, I was just kind of, my whole world was, was crumbling. And, um, and, you know, like, that was a good thing. Uh, Eventually, after all the um, all the sadness went away, and I kind of just had to reflect back on that time, how it all went down, and I was like, "Man, this is not what a what a true Christian yeah, would yeah. do. That's not how a true Christian would treat anyone." And so that's kind of what started my journey of like finding out what a true Christian was, and. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I did a lot of research. I mean, at the time, YouTube was pretty new, but there were still a lot of, uh, you know, pretty good resources out there. Um, like mm -hmm. John Piper had a lot of videos, um, Paul Washer, John MacArthur. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. yeah, there was still, you know, good content for me to learn, you know, biblical Christianity. And when I found out that John MacArthur's church was in Southern California, I was like, okay, I, it's too good of an opportunity for me to pass up. And so after I graduated college, I moved over to Burbank to live close to um, Grace Community Church. And I attended wow. there awesome. for about a year while still seeking, you know, and still um, finding out what it means to be saved. Um, yeah, after, but after a few months, I was kind of like weary. I was like, man, I want to be saved, but I just don't, you know, I don't know how to do it, mm -hmm. no matter how much I pray. And so... One time after a Sunday service, um, when, you know, John, Pastor John invites people to the prayer room. So I actually just, after service, I, I went in there and, and, um, and I think one of the elders were in there ministering to me and praying for me. And he recommended that I attend um, Fundamentals of the Faith class. Mm -hmm. And so I did, I signed up for that. And um, the pastor who was leading the class that I was in, he was still in seminary, but he pretty much kind of took me under his wing and ministered to me. And, you know, um, his name is uh, George Hyun. He was, uh, he became eventually the pastor of um, the small church in Northridge called Valley Bible Church, okay. which that church shares uh, the campus with uh, Faith Bible Church, which is where I think IBC had done a few um, mm -hmm. VBSs. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so speaking of um, significant, um, you know, believers and mentors in my life. He's definitely a, a top mm. of the list. Yeah. Um, and, you know, after, after FOF and after I decided to um, 
lead Grace Community for um, maybe a smaller church that I felt more, you know, less kind of drowning in a sea of people. Um, I eventually found my way over to, you know, to Valley Bible Church where um, where George or Pastor George was um, mm. was leading the um, the young adult English group. And yeah, and so I, you know, all that exposure to truth being preached and um, and just me seeking salvation, um, I can't pinpoint, you know, a specific time, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I honestly feel like even after I was saved, I was still having issues with, like, doubting my salvation and all that. So, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I, I can say that my heart was definitely transformed from how I was before, you know, um, my mind's been renewed. And, um, no matter how much I, you know, pull myself down through my sin, um, I eventually, you know, like, this is how I know, you know, God, you know, he leads me to repentance as as much pride I have, you know, in the moment of sin and as much, anger or bitterness like you know sooner or later um he he leads me to him and Mm. um and yeah so that's kind of you know in a nutshell um my testimony and how uh you and jen meet yeah so when i was attending valley bible church uh jen was actually um I don't know if she was a member there, but she was attending there and had already left that church before I started going. Um, but Frank uh, Lee, her brother, was going. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, we became friends. And there was one, I think, Saturday or Sunday afternoon when um, a bunch of us just went over to his house. And, you know, she was home. And that's really how we met. I honestly thought nothing of it. Um <laughs> It was, I, I, you know, just, oh, it's his sister, okay. And we, so we, we introduced ourselves to each other, and that was kind of really all it was. Um, and then I think in the next couple of years after that, um, the, one of the pastors at my church uh, at that time, he had asked Jen, um, because, you know, he knew her from before, if she could come on Sundays ap- after service to um, sort of minister to the young, younger, um, younger girls at the church mm. who are, you know, I think middle school, high school age. And so, yeah, so she was kind of coming out to VBC, you know, here and there. I, I know she was busy with like, you know, adjusting to being a full-time teacher and stuff. But um, I mean, I think that's kind of when I first, when she kind of first caught my attention, like, oh, like here's someone who's not, you know, a part of this church and she's, you know, devoting time to minister to these girls. And so, um, I mean, that wasn't what won me over or anything, but I did kind of note that, like, oh, that's a really good thing that she's doing, like, the honor of one. Um, um, so, so we have mutual friends, you know, her and um, Frank being siblings and, and stuff. So, there was also this book club that a bunch of us mutual friends were in together. And at the end of each book that we would read together, we would have this kind of gathering all together, like a potluck type thing. And um, yeah, one, it was Christmas time, I think. 
but basically we were playing a game and I was just totally not into the game at all. Like I, <laughs> I don't like learning new games because it's like, uh, I'd rather just talk to people and stuff and hang out. But, um, but Jen was very much playing the game and, <laughs> and um, she got so into it <laughs> that like, um, I think whatever, like she, whatever, like if she was playing a cool at all until that point, like it that was gone, you know? <laughs> and so, um, kind of seeing that like genuine enthusiasm, you know, that most people don't show. Um, I found that very, like, very unique and, um, endearing actually. Um, yeah, there was a point when the game was over and, um, and like, Everyone's kind of like recapping what just happened, you know, kind of like in that warming down kind of mood. And then she's just like feverishly writing something. And so it turns out she was like writing like a justification of like how she came to the conclusions she came to in the game. (laughs) And then she was like trying to explain it to Frank and Frank's like totally not caring. (laughs) Oh yeah, that was really funny. so yeah, that kind of caught my attention too. It was like, it was very unique, you know? Most people try to play it cool, even if they are into it, they right. would be into it in like a cool way. <laughs> um, but no, Jen would not, um, she would not be swayed. So um, yeah, and so I think what really broke the camel's back, um, for lack of a better <laughs> word, um, a week or so after that, I had uh, emailed her um, to ask her about teaching because I had gotten into um, a credentials program and I was um, strongly considering teaching. And so one of our mutual friends was like, hey, you should, you know, uh, talk to Jen, like ask her questions because I'm sure she has a lot of experience and things to share about it. And so, yeah, I did that. I emailed her and we met up um, like earlier the next year, uh, I think shortly after New Year's. And then um, she was trying her best to tell me not to go into teaching <laughs> <laughs> while like not being pushy about it. You know, like I think once or twice she's like, are you sure you want to do teaching? You know, like, um, I mean, you know, long story short, um, spoiler alert, I, I decided ultimately not to pursue teaching. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, what happened during that meeting um, I really feel like we kind of hit it off and I was like, oh, okay, like, you know, I've, I've, I've had enough kind of indication that she's, you know, someone who I would want to get to know better. So, um, as we were leaving, um, we're walking out together into the parking lot and before we could like separate to our own cars, I, I just asked her if she were free to meet up again and, um, that's kind of how it started. Yeah. <laughs> you can cut a lot of that out. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the one about the game. Yeah, <laughs> Part of the story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then, uh, so Jen, your turn. Okay. Um, so I also grew up in the church. Well, I grew up in the church. My, my, both my parents um, grew up in Christian homes, and um, 
I, I knew a lot about religion. I, I remember I went to a Catholic elementary school just because it was, just because it was a good school. Um, and I remember being like, this is wrong. Like, this is not theologically correct. You know, I don't know about if I use the word theologically, but I remember thinking that the Catholics were wrong and the Protestants were right and all this stuff. And so I grew up with a lot of, I think I grew up with a lot of head knowledge or what I thought was head knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and growing, and then the church that I was in had a lot of like political turmoil, um, mm-hmm. church po- politic turmoil when I was middle school, high school. Um, and by the time I got into high school, I was like, I'm done with church. Um, and I stopped going, uh, but I was part, I was the, president of the Christian club at Van Nuys high school. (laughs) Um, And so I was like, you know what, this is enough for me. Like I'm doing my Christian thing at school. Um, And, um, but then I don't know, like I was not living like a Christian. Um, I was, I am a very proud person. (laughs) And in high school, I was very proud of my pride. Like, I did not find that offensive at all. Um, and I, yeah, just my life did not reflect um, a life submitted to Christ as much as I said I was Christian. Being a Christian was more of a quote-unquote identity than identity as like sort of like that, like that political identity, mm-hmm. yeah, like identify as a Republican or Democrat, like, something to stand with not necessarily my identity in christ um and so yeah and then uh, i was just feeling kind of the the um disconnect between what i said i believed and how i actually was living um and i had my brother who was going to church still attending church at the time um, told me that a new pastor had come in for the youth group. Um, and so I decided to give it a try. Um, and he was preaching from Romans 12, 1 to 2, um, talking about, you know, like when God saves you, he changes you. Um, mm-hmm. So the connection between justification and sanctification. And I, I think that's when I just um, prayed, God change me. And either it was either that moment or um, within the next few months that came, I was faced with the thought like that I might not have been a Christian um, mm. that, Oh, like all this time I thought I was. Um, and when people would ask me my testimony, I just didn't know what to say. Um, but now I knew there was something different. Um, now I, and then that's when I started seeing my sin more clearly. I started seeing how disgusting my pride was and just how shameful, um, not just, you know, because of how other people perceive me, but before God, um, how sin, my sin was so offensive to him. And that's, that's how I came to faith. Um, and there's been a lot of people in my life to kind of shape me in my, in how, how I think and, um, walk. And, um, I went to Lighthouse Bible Church while I was in college in San Diego. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so like Pastor John and Patrick were instrumental in teaching me kind of like the fundamentals of the faith. Like mm-hmm. here are theological, you know, like solace of scriptura and um like a high view of God, a high view of God's word, um, things like that. And like my the brothers and sisters I went to church with, um, and kind of seeing them really live it out in not just in college days, but after that. And then um uh there's someone named Ginny who really showed me what so she was a mom of some young kids, uh three young kids and she she was just like kind of personifying what quiet and gentle spirit was, and she but she was a strong woman, um, and her love for scripture was just so evident um, in in everything she did, and she wasn't loud about it. Um, and coming to IBC, just um, and then like, but then like, I, there's like. I have a very legalistic tendency and I think coming to IBC and seeing how gracious our pastors were um, really helps balance out some of that legalistic tendencies. Um, and I think another person who was instrumental in how I think and um, how I walk my walk is um, uh, Dr. Ernie Baker. Mm-hmm. When I was part of the biblical counseling program, he just really challenge my thinking to think of script, understand what it means that scripture is a living text, um, that it really is like just so, um, complex in its analysis of the human psyche, you know, like psychology literally means a study of the soul and you can't study the soul without a manual (laughs) and really God has given us that manual and he Mm -hmm. kind of helped me see um the complexities of that and um and yeah so I guess those are some of the instrumental people in my life and then how I came to IBC well I was going to Valley Bible Church for a while right after college um I moved back home and um attended Valley Bible Church for about a year um but there were some things that I, I just didn't feel comfortable with, like in terms of the way, uh, like ministry philosophies and things like that. So I decided to, and I, and Pastor Nam had preached at Lighthouse before. Um, so I knew that Pastor John's cousin was in LA. So I decided to attend IBC and that was that. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. So um, anyone that's been at IBC for the past couple of years remember uh, one of the main prayer requests and kind of like where the church rallied around was for your daughter, Sylvie, where she had fallen ill. And if I remember correctly, I think there was a brief period where nobody understood why she was sick, um, but she was later diagnosed with a condition called TS. Uh, So for the audience, if you could just spend some time to um, let us know what TS is and what Sylvie's current condition is, um, like what regimens she has to follow, and um, just an update on how she's doing. Um, I'll talk about that. Um, So TS is a genetic condition. Um, Basically, it affects 
the TSC gene. And there's a gene um, that regulates cell growth. Um, and if it's for Sylvie, there's like a big chunk of it miss- missing. Um, and actually she, we, we found out through her diagnosis that Jeff has it too. Um, but his, but the spectrum of how it uh, manifests itself is very, very wide. So it could be so mild that they don't, people don't even know they have it like Jeff, or it could be much more, much, much more severe. Um, but it affects the brain, the eyes, skin, kidneys, heart, lungs, nails. Um, it often shows up in behaviors like autism, ADHD, aggressive and violent behavior. And um, Sylvie is affected with um, minor growths in her heart that have diminished over time. Um, and she has lots of skin manifestations, um, which is one of the ways that doctor the doctors were able to diagnose it. And she started having seizures because of the tubers that are in the brain. So tubers are, it's not a tumor. It's, um, so the brain, if you were to touch it, it would feel like jello. Like mm-hmm. it would have sort of like this give, but tubers is like a hardened part of the brain, um, that didn't, um, develop properly. And so it's like, like little potatoes in, in the brain. Um, so at about three to four months of age, um, I noticed that Sylvie was having these weird, like, um, active, like weird incidents. Um, like I would be nursing her and then all of a sudden she would just go stiff and learn her head would go back and her face would look like she was not there or just her facial expression would just completely change. And then she would come to and start crying um, and I thought that was really weird, but um, I think on the third or fourth day of that happening, her arm started, her arm went stiff and started shaking. And that's when I suspected seizures. Um, so we were admitted, we went to the ER, we were, and when I told the doctor what I observed, um, they, he admitted us for an MRI. Um, and it was there. It was actually, we we're, she was diagnosed actually pretty early on. Oh, okay. Um, hmm. yeah. So that when we were admitted into the hospital that day, the doctors noticed, um, Sylvie's Ashley marks, which are like a skin manifestation. So if you see her shoulders or sometimes her legs, she has these really pale white marks and some of them look like little leaves. Um, and, and then after an MRI, they found tubers in her brain. Um, and that's when they diagnosed Sylvie with tuber sclerosis. And then um, they went through, we still did genetic testing to confirm it. Um, and they found some, something called exons missing from her, from that, from that gene. Um, so Sylvie was started on a um, anti-seizure medication um, and it helped for about a week. Um, but then her seizures came back and, um, got worse. They were happening much more frequently. Um, and just the shaking was getting much worse. And we went into the ER like four or five times, maybe. Um, yeah. So we went, we went to the ER quite a few times, but they just kept up the medication 
up the medication, up the medication. And then finally, she was having so many seizures per day that the that we were admitted into the hospital again. Um, so they kept introducing different medications and one medication was removed, a new medication came on, and then just the seizures seemed to be getting better. But um, we had moved to UCLA's medical team, which is um, they have a special clinic for tuberosclerosis. Um, which is a rare genetic condition, by the way, I didn't mention that. Um, but um, through the EEGs, they noticed that she was having over more than 20 seizures a day. And we could only see, we could only see about three of them. Um, so she was having, and the, the invisible ones are called subclinicals. So they were affecting her speech, her left limbs, like she was not using them. Um, Sylvie was like one over one years old and she was not like pushing, but you know, those toys with buttons. Yeah. yeah. Um, kids start pushing those at like six months or seven, whatever. But Sylvie after even past one, she was not pushing buttons and looking at cause and effect. She was not pointing at things, which are some of these are pretty significant milestones for babies. Um, so the doctors recommended seizure uh, surgery um, and that she was a good candidate. So after kind of looking at her candidacy, surgery candidacy um, in February 2019, which was when Sylvie was a little past one year, almost a year and a half, um, almost exactly a year after her diagnosis, she went through um, surgery to remove tubers the tubers that were causing the seizures, not all the tubers because that's impossible to do, but um, the ones that were causing seizures. So after that, um, her, her, the tubers that they removed were really close to the motor strip part of her brain. And so she was left with zero mobility in her left limbs. Um, And, but, but she has not had a seizure since she was one year and three months of age. Um, but yeah, so she went into CHLA for inpatient mm-hmm. therapy and has regained a lot of mobility in her left limbs. Um, after surgery, well, the surgery left her with a cerebral palsy um, diagnosis. So um, it's affecting her movements in her left limbs. Um, but yeah, she's made lots of strides since Mm. then. Um, Right now she, well, she's just turned three. So we're changing our therapy situation, but she was receiving physical therapy, occupational therapy and speech. Um, We went through an autism early prevention program um, at UCLA. It's like a research study for kids with tuberous sclerosis. Um, And um, yeah, uh, right now she is going into preschool, um, and will be continuing services through there. She's, she's down to one medication. Um, that, that very first one that Mm -hmm. was not really effective and she is still, she's flourishing back in June. We had another EEG and, um, she's down to no seizures and, um, Yeah, praise God. <laughs> so we're just so amazed and thankful at how well she's doing. Mm. 
Yeah, uh, I just wanted to add that, you know, we've been pretty quiet on on her updates. I mean, fortunately, there's been very little to report other than, you know, good news. But I think the last time we updated was maybe last fall, so maybe about a year ago. And we've been wanting to, you know, let the church know how she's doing. But um, it's it's funny because when you approached us about the podcast, this was months ago, you know, and um, so we just thought, okay, instead of an email, we'll just announce it through the podcast. But, you know, through all the the things that happened, um, the, it got pushed back for, you know, yeah. all these months and we finally get to do it. But, you know, that's just something something that's been kind of on my mind because mm. the church has been so supportive that we wanted to, you know, keep letting them know, Hey, like this is how she's doing. Um, you know, your prayers are being manifest, you know, mm. being, you know, put in effect in this way. And so yeah, I wanted to add that. And also another thing I wanted to add was um, she's doing really well now, but mm. the thing about TSC is that, you know, for the first several years of, of her life, like she will um, be, or rather, there's still a chance that, you know, tubers will affect her brain or these seizures come back. And um, that could, it could happen at any time. We don't know. I mean, she's being monitored maybe once a year internally for all that mm-hmm. stuff. But, you know, we're still kind of, not fully out of the woods and um yeah that's just another element of sort of the next few years that are on the horizon for us yeah Yeah, uh another thing about medical leaves um being followed up she's being followed up by several specialists so one one uh, i mean the neurologist we see every six months um but then the nephrologist for her kidneys. So kidneys is a huge issue that a lot of TS kids um, face. Sylvie has nothing. She only has a few cysts that they're not concerned about. Um, but basically it's cancer growths in the body that are technically benign, but still wreak different kinds of havoc. Mm. So they're monitoring her eyes. So we have an ophthalmologist, we have a nephrologist, we have a cardiologist. We have a neurologist and we have a neurosurgeon who follow her yearly. Wow. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, it, even right now, it's, it's kind of hard for me to ask this next question because I, I could just imagine how difficult it is. It's almost like needless to say. Um, but if you guys could just kind of share with us kind of your experience as parents during this trial, um, you know, what kind of spiritual lessons have you learned? Um, what are some of the most challenging things that you guys have had to go through spiritually? And also, I mean, another addition to that is, I mean, if if there are any other parents that are kind of going through similar things like this, you know, what can you encourage them or just to kind of, um, you know, help them to consider if there's anything that you guys have read, like any kind of resources or anything like that, that kind of come to mind, that was a great, that is a help to you guys and could be a help to them yeah so the my experience as a parent during these trials i would say you know it was pretty rough 
um, it was often very heart wrenching, you know, to see you know your own daughter um, going through all these things at such a young age and being helpless to do anything about it. Uh, on top of that, seeing Jen also, you know, as a as the mother of this child, just you know, heartbroken over all these things that are happening, and again being helpless to do much about it. And the third layer is because of this genetic disorder. Um, I mean, we're not, we're like 99% sure, 99.999% sure <laughs> that I do have this, um, the same disorder. I, I still need to go to a geneticist and um, get, you know, testing for it just to get all the information. But yeah, assuming that I do have it, that leaves us with a 50% chance of our, you know, any child that we have will have it as well. And there's no guarantee that, you know, that the child will turn out okay. Um, and so, I mean, people ask, oh, like, are you guys, you know, um, wanting to have more kids? Like, you know, truthfully, the answer is yes. We want to have more kids. Uh, we've always wanted like three or four, I think. But right now, we're still kind of weighing the severity of, you know, what might happen. And, you know, it's, it's still kind of, um, it's pending. We haven't made a decision yet. Mm. Um, but yeah, those are some things that are really hard. Um, if I could share spiritual lessons that I've learned, I mean, it's all by God's grace that I didn't break down into dust you know mm. like you know we'd send out these um emails to update you know family friends church and we'd often hear oh you guys are so strong and we're so encouraged by how you guys are you know pulling through and and the whole time i'm thinking man i am not pulling through this okay you know like mm. it is purely by god's grace that i um was able to handle it at all you know, um, it was probably, in fact, like partially like a way to break down, you know, my own a Christian American dream of like, hey, you think you're you want your life to be this way? Like, you're not in charge. I'm in charge. And I'm, I'm kind of telling you, mm. you know, the way you're going, your life is going to turn out is um, the way I perfectly, you know, find it fit. So, yeah, I mean, it was. Like, I I totally squandered, <laughs> you know, any opportunity to to um, to benefit from from the trial. But but God pulled me through and you know, pulled us through, and mm -hmm. so that's another you know testament to His goodness and His um, uh, compassion. And if you know, if there's any encouragement that I can offer. You know, some of the more encouraging times for us was just through all the people that got placed in our lives, you know, um, supporting us and encouraging us. Like, one thing I would encourage another um, family going through this is, you know, you don't have to go through it alone. And in fact, um, just embrace 
your family, your church family to um, mm-hmm. be a part of this, be a part of your, um, of your journey, um, mm-hmm. to be a part of, um, to mourn with you and uh, really support you and pray for you. Uh, I, I feel like these are moments when, you know, like the love that we, we all have for one another as fellow believers in Christ uh, really um, manifests itself. And so, um, yeah, that's an encouragement I would give. Mm. Um, it was really, really hard. <laughs> um, I remember sort of in the beginning when I was understanding what tuberous sclerosis really was. In the beginning, I was like, oh, we have a diagnosis, you know? Um, and it's something called tuber or something. Um, but as I became more and more familiar with the disease, as I saw her seizures get worse and worse, um, it was it was really, really hard. I was really, really dark. We cried a lot. Um, um, and like there were days when it felt like I would, we would never laugh again, you know? And then I would find myself laughing and be surprised that I'm laughing. Mm. And like some days would feel normal and some days would feel awful. Um, and some days, you know, like we would just get through it and, um, and, you know, like God just took us through each struggle at a time. And he took us through each day and each trial at a time. He took us through surgery. He took us through the seizures. Um, he just continued to pour out strength upon strength and um, through the church, um, through um the scriptures through um through just the spirit <laughs> working in us to keep our eyes fixed on him um mm-hmm. and it's really hard i think one of the things currently that's hard is not looking into the future and being afraid um being afraid of what if a seizure happens again um, what if she doesn't c- keep developing well, um, comparing her with other children and seeing how they, like, I have a niece who's, um, less than two and she's speaking way more than Sylvia is at three. And, oh, today is Sylvia's birthday, by the way. Oh, but, <laughs> happy birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's just like those kinds of things where, um, I could choose not to trust him. Um, but in those moments, choosing to trust him. I think one other thing that really brings me down is what if Sylvie wants to become a mom when she's older and um, she can't or she has to face this decision that Jeff and I are having to face. That's really hard. Um, so that That brings me down at times. But... It's like in those moments where um, I have to fight the what-ifs and fight to cling to the God who 
for whom there is no what ifs. Like everything mm-hmm. is designed perfectly by his will and by his hand. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's just what it is. Perseverance. There's nothing fancy about it. It's taking one day at a time, taking one problem at a time and, um, leaning on him mm-hmm. for strength. Yeah. Lastly, um, you guys kind of already touched on it a little bit, but if there are any, um, to people at IBC in particular, if there are any, um, uh, just last words of encouragement. You know, I kind of brought up how, um, how for anyone who might be going through something similar to not hesitate to involve the church mm. as a part yeah. of the, um, the experience like it's it's helped us in so many ways, you know. Um, like just for example, you know, our church continuously praying for Sylvia and for us, and and letting us know is a huge encouragement. Uh, always kind of checking in with us, ask how we're doing, and you know, like sharing words of encouragement and sharing you know truth to us. Mm. You know, feeding us, you know, bringing us food, like even if. Like we weren't hungry and we had more food than we kind of needed to, you know, knew what to do with just that gesture alone, you know, meant a lot to us. And, and obviously, you know, visiting us at the hospital or even at home. Um, yeah, it really helped us feel like uh, we weren't alone, mm. you know, even though um, they weren't, you know, going through it themselves. They were really... Um, taking on our burden and helping us carry it, I feel like. And so, yeah, um, anyone who's kind of hesitating to let people know about it and trying to get through it on their own, like I would say, you know, no to that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, lastly, um, I was super thankful to have a wife who exemplified you know what a what a mom's love for her child looks like. Uh, I see it every day now, um, but especially then, like the the way her heart broke for Sylvie during you know the season of seizures and stuff. Like, I mean, I was going through some hard times, but somehow I kind of knew that Jen was hurting all the more. You know, mm-hmm. as her mom. Um, it was super evident how much she loved her. Like there was one, uh, early on, there was one moment when we came back from the ER and, you know, Jen had thought, oh, maybe like she's not eating well, like maybe that would help. And so like, it's late at night, you know, she's just like trying to feed herself to, you know, pass on, you know, whatever good nutrients she could to Sylvia. And um, I even even when you're grasping for, for things like that, like mm. seeing that, um, I was just so thankful and um, just happy that she was there with me. Mm. And yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, similarly, if I were to encourage the church, um, I think what it was for me was I just learned so much about compassion and 
extending my eyes and heart toward others who are suffering through our church. Mm. Um, I think I was, I was, um, I just saw how selfish I had been and not understanding other people's struggles when I was going through what we were going through and seeing how, um, seeing how these, you know, our brothers and sisters in Christ were, were hurting with us and, um, and trying so hard to reach into our lives so that um, they could share in our in our suffering. And I think, you know, if I were to look back at people who who were comfortable like I was, um, I would encourage those people to really look upon other people's suffering. And, um, and sharing them, even if, even in like an email, like I, I used to think, oh, my email would just like, it would just, you know, it's just one email. Like it's not going to, there's so many things going on. They're not going to even, you know, like an email is not really going to make a big difference. It does. Like, even Mm -hmm. if it's like, we're praying for you, like it really made such a big difference. And I remembered each one and each one really strengthened and uplifted us um like i i still remember um passages that um kathy shared with us or a song the song that eugene shared with us um early on that still like plays in my mind um and words of encouragement and wisdom from our pastors and just each you know um gift that people brought to Sylvie when we were in the hospital and even monetary gifts um, when we had to pay for um, one of the medications out of pocket. Like people were so generous. They just dropped money on us. Like, and I just felt so like helpless, like, oh, I don't know. You know, like that Asian in me was like, how do I pay this? You know? <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was because of love. And we felt the love of our church so strongly. And we just want to thank you and, um, and, and encourage you to reach out to those who are suffering. And yeah, um, please pray. Please continue to pray for Sylvie that, um, that her story, her life would be used to bring God glory. Um, and pray for her salvation and pray for, her continued development and seizure freedom and all that stuff. Well, thank you guys so much for doing this. I know it's not such a easy topic, but I just really appreciate your honesties and your just um, candidness. Thank you guys so much. We really do appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Gabe. Thank you, Gabe. So with that, um, we just conclude this episode of IBC Topics. Um, We'll catch you again in the next one. Thanks, guys. Bye.